This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. There are so many choices when it comes to selecting the right financial institution. Start with the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. We're right here in your city. We're also the official credit union of Temple University, and anyone who lives, works, worships, and studies in Philadelphia can open an account with convenient locations throughout our city of brotherly love. Also online at pfcu.com with free online and mobile banking. We're not here for our profit, here for yours. Federally insured by NCUA. Free speech lives here. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT HD, WOGL HD3, Philadelphia, a radio.com station. Now, from the Malamut and Associates Law Studios, it's good news in real estate. If you're a homeowner, if you're selling a home, or perhaps purchasing a home or vacation property, welcome to our home. It's good news in real estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Your host for the next radio hour. The Mortgage Mom, Deanne Kitsaris, along with real estate veteran and owner-operator of the Philadelphia Real Estate Classes, Mark Cumberland. Your real estate education starts right now. It's good news in real estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. All right, good morning. Get ready to laugh and learn here on Good News in Real Estate on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm Mark Cumberland, along with my co-host, The Mortgage Mom. D.A. Katsaris. How are you, Dan? I'm doing good, Mark. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. And we're here every week on Talk Radio 1210. Keep you guys informed on commercial, residential, mortgages, whatever you need. Just give us a call. My number is 267-266-5501. What's your number, D.A.? My number is 609-605-7153. And we're here any way we can help. Just call us. Deanne will stop laughing and get serious and actually help you. And you can listen to this show and all the other shows at goodnewsandrealestate.com and also at WPHT's podcast now. So what are we talking about today, Deanne? Coming up on today's show, Mark, we have the market report. We have business tips with Asking Dr. A. We also have Mark's funny story. And we also have our mortgage mom topic today. Which is what? Closing while closed. Mm, that's an interesting one. <laughs> Mark, we also have our questions. How much earnest money deposit should be requested from a potential buyer when signing a contract? The next All question the- is, <laughs> can you start the mortgage process before two years out of a bankruptcy? Next question is, should you accept an overpriced listing? Next question is, we bought a house from the seller and is carrying the note for five years. Now we want to refinance. What should we do? Last question is, is a subletter who didn't sign the lease entitled to the security deposit if they paid half the lease off? You got some good questions there today, Mark. Yeah, I know. No doubt about it. We, We also have our topic of the day, which is investing in your home. But first... Give us your motivational quote. And the motivational quote is, he who fears he will suffer already suffers because he fears. You're going so deep, Mark. I am getting very philosophical. Very philosophical. (laughs) (laughs) So where are we at? Mark, we are up to the market report. And there is the bell. 
few months back, you know, all the experts predicted that 2020 was going to be, uh, you know, a banging year, but historically low inventory. As of March, data began to emerge, especially with what's going on with this virus, uh, these, these projections may soon ring true. According to some data from real estate brokerages Redfin, housing supply is rapidly declining in the wake of the outbreak of this virus. In the week ending of March 29th, more than 28,000 sellers took their homes off the market. A 148% jump. That's nationwide. Nationwide. Okay. Nationwide, yeah. But like even locally, we're, we're loud. We're, I was talking to one of the brokers this week about it. We're down to like 4,300 houses for sale in Philadelphia. So we're down. But that's 4% of all the homes on the market that were delisted just because I guess they don't want people coming in and out of their house, you know? And you know whose house is not off the market? Yours. <laughs> I can't believe it's on the market. I thought this would be any excuse to get it off the market. <laughs> this is going to be history. We're going to talk about this for years that I actually sold my home during COVID-19. COVID-19. Yeah. But you right? probably will. You probably will too. So if the buyers are concerned about buying during this uh, pandemic, sellers are doubly concerned about selling. The idea of having anyone outside your immediate family walk through your house you know, is making people nervous. Sellers in Chicago, Los Angeles, and Philadelphia were especially prone to pullbacks. Philly was one of them. In all three, 6% of all active listings were taken off the market last week. Dallas and Denver saw 5% of all their listings removed. So what's that mean? Less inventory and activity until all this settles down. So winter should be booming. Remember that song from Die Hard? And the weather outside is frightful. And the fire is so delightful. And since there's no place to go, let oh, it you're snow, losing let your it mind. snow, let it snow. I was thinking about that one the other day when I read that. But anyway, <laughs> I, what's going to happen once this thing pops, it's going to be really busy. And the real estate's going to take off like wildfire, and everybody better be ready for it. Well, uh, that's one of the things yeah. that we talked about last week was, you know, number one, bright, they were talking about on the MLS not counting the days off the market. So if you do temporarily off the market, it's not necessarily going to <clears throat> excuse me, negatively affect the count. You know how days on the market and they start to accumulate? Have they adjusted that yet, do you know? Not really. Okay. Uh, and one last part of the market report. 2,100 out of the 3,007 counties that there are in the United States, Dan. 3,007. Uh, <laughs> not, not everybody in the whole country has digital uh, documents, especially with notaries. So, like right now, like you're doing, trying to do settlements. Twenty-three states have remote online notarization policies, which permit a notary and a signer in a different location. Because you know you always got to be in front of the notary when you sign. That's why people are driving around and signing the documents on the back of a car. This would solve that problem. So they're trying to get that passed nationwide. Uh, National Association of Realtors is too. Uh, so you be you, the mortgage mom. Wouldn't have to go with rubber gloves on and a mask and on the back of somebody's tr uh, <laughs> new red Lexus. Uh, press hard sign here. 
<laughs> so that's one of the things they're working on. So did you know that? I did know that. It's called Ron. Yep. Oh, oh. Yeah, we're a fan of Ron. <laughs> but speaking of being a fan, um, we have our rates. Yes. And, and what are the, the rates? rates? The rates are still low. We have a 30-year fixed at 3.625% conventionally. We have a 20-year fixed, which is 3.625 as well. Your 15-year, which is at 3%. And our FHA rate right now is at 3. It, it's going from 3.5% mark to 3.75, depending on the day that we lock. So, Mark, this is a great time to be able to refinance for a couple reasons. If somebody is still employed, they could take advantage of these low rates, refinance them. We're able to save about $300 a month in, on some of these uh, refinances that we're doing, as well as skip a payment. So it's giving people a little bit of breathing room. So they should give me a call at 609-605-7153, and I'll help them take advantage of it. There's no doubt about it. It's a great time. This is a great time to refi and a great time to buy. So with that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, all positive all the time. We'll be right back. On behalf of the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union, we hope you're enjoying Good News in Real Estate with Deanne Katsaris and Mark Cumberland. The Philadelphia Federal Credit Union, not here for our profit, here for yours. Deanne and Mark will have more after the break and this message from Debt-Free Living. Learn more at wehatedebt.com. All right, welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD, all positive all the time. Where are we at, Deanne? Mark, we're up to the funny story. The funny story, and I got one for you. I'm so sure you do. Pres- this Presbyterian church, right, they call a meeting to decide what to do about this squirrel infestation they got. After much prayer and consideration, they concluded that the squirrels were predestined to be there, and they shouldn't be interfered with God's divine will. At a Baptist church, the squirrels had taken an interest in the in the in there, and a deacon spent and decided... They put a water slide on the on the side of the thing and let the squirrels slide and drown down and drown themselves. And the squirrels liked to slide. Unfortunately, they knew extensively how to swim, so twice as many squirrels showed up the following week to go down the slide. The Lutheran church down the street decided that they were not in a position to harm any of God's creatures. So they mainly trapped their squirrels and set them free near the Baptist church. Two weeks later, the squirrels were back when the Baptist took down the water slide. So the Episcopalians tried something different, a unique path, by setting out pans of whiskey around the church in an effort to kill the squirrels with alcohol poison. Sadly, they learned how much damage a drunk band of squirrels can do. But the Catholic Church came up with a very creative strategy. They baptized all the squirrels and made them members of the church. Now they only see them at Christmas and Easter. (laughs) And the last one... Not much was heard from the Jewish synagogue. They took the first squirrel, circumcised them, and they haven't seen a squirrel since. <laughs> that was a good one, Mark. <laughs> no, I don't know. That was a good one. I found that one by chance. It was a good one. If you have a funny story you'd like to hear on our show, send it to 8029 at comcast.net or give us a call at 267 266 5501. And now it's time for the Mortgage Mom segment with the Ann Kat Cyrus from Green Tree, the Mortgage Mom. And her topic is closing while closed. Perfect timing. 
Yeah, Mark, I thought this was a great opportunity to give a shout out to everybody that's still working. I mean, Pennsylvania is completely shut down. We're not able to go in and show houses. You know, we're not really supposed to be writing any contracts, but we still have closings that are taking place. And a lot of the title companies have been very cautious, have been very creative. So their closing methods right now, one of the closing companies that we have set up a tent in the parking lot and they've got two tables. They've got the whole parking lot is kept empty only for the buyer, only for the seller and only for the title company. So what happens is I have an opportunity the night before to go through all of the documents with the buyer, just as I would, as if I was at the closing, going page by page, answering questions, going over how much they need for settlement, um, going through the documents so that they understand it. Now, the next day, they're going to show up at settlement and they're going to roll down their window. They're going to have a disposable pen. So they're they're going to get a pen handed, a stack of papers with all tabs. They're going to press hard and sign here, here, here and here. Then they're going to give their check over and their identification um, to the title clerk. They're going to take a picture of it and they're going to collect their check, of course, with the gloves. And then the seller is going to actually wait until... All of this has happened and either come back in a couple hours that day to pick up a check, which of course is going to be in an envelope and handed by um, the title clerk with gloves. They're throwing away the pen and they're heading out. They now have keys in their hand that have been sanitized. That's on the purchases. Some of the refinances that we're doing, a lot of the um, like national title agency, they're still going out to houses and they're actually doing the settlements on the hood of cars. So they're not going into the people's houses. They're actually just going to the person's house. Again, I went through all the documents with them. They're handing them a pen. They're telling them what page to sign. They're collecting the docs back and they're off on their way. So the title companies that we have been working with national title agency, surety, the deed exchange, you know, they've just done an amazing job in getting everything done. I mean, we're all in uncharted waters right now, not really sure how to move forward and, you know, what precautions need to be taken, what we're allowed to do, what we're not allowed to do. But everybody's been keeping the ship going and it's been, it's really been working out. And I just, I want to make sure that everybody just understands what a great job everybody has been working. I mean, my company, literally no one is allowed to go in and out only the employees. So all of the closing department, all the underwriters, all the processors, it's only the same people going in and out of the building. I show up to drop off documents. They don't even want to see me. They're like, just leave them in the bin and we walk away. Um, And so far, so good. Nobody's been infected and we've been able to conduct business. And I've seen a couple of these on Facebook where uh, actual videos and like people with like the white suit on and rubber gloves and handed documents back and forth, but they got the deal done. Yeah, I mean, that's the most important part. It's sad that I'm not able to to attend closing and actually get to hand the keys to the buyers, take a picture with them, congratulate them. But we're going to do a big party when this is all over. And all the buyers that close during COVID-19, we're going to have a big celebration. That's a good idea. And and, we don't know exactly how long this is going to go on for. Hopefully just like another month or something. 
But I mean, there was a lot of people that had purchased houses and were getting ready to settle when this thing hit. Exactly. And there are people, you you know, there's other people that have gone out to see houses and now want to put offers in. And that's acceptable. We're still able to do that. You just can't go in and see the house right now. So we're taking every precaution. And, you know, as we mentioned last Sunday, people should still get their stuff organized, get their credit run. I mean, now's the time to get ready because when this market opens up, it's going to be floodgates. It is. And it, and and you're right. This is the time to get a plan together. Like, if you have anything, this is a good time to work on things. And then exactly. be all ready for when when they say, we're open, you're ready to go. I just envision when they say we're open, it's just like when you see the, the marathons, people running down Broad Street, right? Everybody <laughs> just scurrying and running. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's going to be crazy when, when everybody comes out of the houses because it's weird. Like if you go driving around and there's no traffic and, you know. It's, yeah, it's God weird. willing, God willing. Speaking of God willing, I mean, this is also coming up to Holy Week. We've got Passover coming. We've got um, Easter. We have Ramadan. There's a lot of, this is like a very, very holy month. So yep. I think it's, we just want to wish again, wish everyone out there to stay safe, be smart, stay home. And wash your hands. Wash your hands. And let's come out of this on the other side, bigger, better, and stronger. And that's what we will be. And and I tell you, as a country, I think we're going to come out of this bigger, stronger, and smarter, too. And uh, I think it's uh, it gave everybody a pause, a little time to think about where what they're doing. I know I've been thinking about my business and, uh, like, what kind of changes I want to make down the road, especially to be prepared in case something like this happens again, you know? One of the things I want to offer is I want to do home buying seminars. So the big, the big thing now is the zoom calls where everybody gets on, you get a link, you dial up, you can go on, your face can be seen. It doesn't have to be seen, but to do zoom calls as a home buying seminar or credit repair or even a question right. and answer so that people can dial in and we can help them answer their questions and guide them exactly through the process. So if any of our listeners are out there and they are interested in being part of a Zoom call, give us a call, 609-605-7153. Yeah, we're going to try to do that with the students too to keep them in the loop here. All right. All right, so what's coming up next? Coming up next will be our question and answer segment. All right, so with that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All positive, all the time. We'll be right back. Deanne and Mark are halfway through this week's edition of Good News in Real Estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. When the show returns, more real estate news from around the Delaware Valley. But first, a word from one of our home team partners, Remax, and Alan Stassen, who's famous for being a Philadelphia real estate expert. All right, welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, all positive all the time. We're back. First, give them your phone number, Deanne. My number is 609-605-7153. And mine is 
5501. So where are we at now? We're up to our question and answer segment. And Mark, our first first question is, how much earnest money deposit should be requested from a potential buyer when signing a contract? This is like, you know, there used to be an old myth. You should put down 10% or whatever. But it all depends on the situation. I mean... The, if the if the buyer's with you and they're totally pre-approved, they put down a couple thousand dollars and you know their credit's good, their total, all their tax returns are in, the amount of money down is not that big of a deal. Some sellers want to see more money put down. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're getting buying million dollar houses, they might see one with a little more skin in the game. But most of the time, it's like two, five thousand, two to five thousand is the normal, you know, it's not a lot of cash. Because it's held in escrow anyway. It's held by the broker. And not the buyer or the seller holds it. So And it all goes towards your closing costs. So, you know, the seller could say, I want $10,000 in escrow. But most of the time, they don't really worry about it. I've done deals. No escrow money. No escrow money is actually, it's not required. The contract enough itself is enough. Like, if you've got a buyer that's got an 800 credit score and a million dollars in the bank, and he's buying, I don't think you're going to have an issue. Like, he really doesn't need to write a check for five, ten thousand dollars $10,000. The contract enough is legally... Uh, legally enough. binding. Yeah, right. legally binding. And even when you're doing an FHA, what if, you know, the kids might be getting a gift from their parents and then also getting a 6% seller concession. So $1,000 of their own money might be all that they really have because the rest is coming from a gift. And the rest is coming from the the seller towards a credit towards closing. So each. So there's there's no standard. There's no standard. All right. Next question. Can you start the mortgage process before two years out of a bankruptcy? Should you. Right. So should you accept. Should you start the process two years out of bankruptcy? And the answer to that is really no. You should really wait until you are out of the bankruptcy. Now, we can run credit. We can start collecting all your documents as long as you're going to be close. But you really can't close until on an FHA loan two years out of bankruptcy and actually the next month. So if your two years is up in May, we're not going to be able to sign a contract until June. So they have to have two years at, from, from the, the date date of the dismissal of the bankruptcy? Correct. The date of discharge, it's two years from that date, and then we can start, they can sign their application that next month. All right. All right. Next question is, one. should you accept an overpriced listing? This is a question to a, a, a an agent. Uh, me, personally, if, if I go to list a house and I did the... Uh, comparable market analysis, the comps, uh, the you know what the house should be priced right, and just let's pick a number. The house is worth two hundred grand, and I look at every other house in the neighborhood and everything that's sold, everything that's active, everything that's pending, because you look at everything. And these people are just like uh, they want an extra hundred grand because they think their house is that much. As an agent, should you take that listing? Now, sometimes they call that buying a listing because you buy that listing. No, it's not knowing it's not going to sell because it's overpriced, but you're going to have a sign on the lawn and the sign's going to get phone calls and get business to your office. 
But that is not the way you should really do it. You know, I'd have a heart-to-heart with him, and I'd say to him, listen, you know, this is probably not going to work. But they, if they sign a contract with you, you have to do what they say to do because you represent them. Now, some agents are taking over a price listing, and then, and then their plan up front, which I don't agree with, is to keep trying to whittle them down, whittle them down to where they're really supposed to be. But they, but that's not a good way of doing business. And everybody's mad at one another. And sometimes I think you just if the way I teach agents to lead generate to have enough business, they they don't need every client. If you get some crazy client that thinks their house is $100,000 worth more than their neighbor's house and all their neighbor's houses, maybe that's not the client for you. You know, I, I preach, if you lead generate enough, you'll have enough clients that you don't want to work with everybody. And that might be the one person I say to, you know, I don't think I'm the agent for you. It was really nice meeting you and all. And if you have any questions, give me a call. But... I'm probably not the agent for you because I'm telling you what's going to happen. In a month from now, me and you are going to be fighting and it's going to go on and on and on until you come to your senses about this price. And be honest. Honesty always works. Good answer, Mark. All right. We bought a house from the seller and he is carrying the note for the past five years. Now we want to refinance. What should we do? Good. You can answer this one. This is well, that depends one. on the terms of the note. I mean, is there a prepayment penalty that was set up? Um, I mean, there shouldn't be, but normally you should just be able, as long as you qualify and the house has equity and there's an, and the numbers work, there shouldn't be an op, there shouldn't be an obstacle in being able to refinance it. Yeah, just refinance and somebody to buy the note out. Yep. Yeah. All right, next question. Just, is I, a subletter I actually just did a commercial deal like that. All right, go ahead. The next question is, is a subletter who didn't sign the lease entitled to the security deposit if they paid if they paid half the lease? Yeah, see this is uh one that always gets sticky. These are like the college kids and uh the friends and one of them signs a lease and they're on the lease and they but they both put money up. And then something happens down the road, and they want the security deposit back. And the one that gets the security deposit back is the one on the lease. And and then the other one's not happy. Now, if they actually were allowed to sublease, and it was agreed to by the lessor, that's a different story. But that's not the usual case. The usual case is somebody uh, leased the place... Let their friend come in to help pay with the stuff. And and then at the end, they want to have the money back. And then there's another fight. Which they already split up for whatever reason anyway. What's the next one? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I wasn't, you know, it wasn't the friendliest answer. But in my experience, that's usually how that goes. All right. All right. With a month-to-month lease... How many days notice does the landlord have to give the renters? Whatever the terms of the lease are. So if it's a a 12-month lease and then and and then it becomes month to month, they have to give them at least that amount of notice. So 
it that's determined on the original lease that you signed how much notice they have to give and it usually says it in it it usually you your lease should spell out like the time frame of the of the payments and when it's automatically going to renew uh, yeah when it's going to renew so and that renewal if it's if it's monthly or if it's yearly it's according to how that lease is written up. So. All right. right, Very good. So those were our questions, Mark. And coming up next is going to be our topic of the day. And the topic is investing in your home. All right. So here's some interesting questions that time. So with that, you're listening to good news in real estate here on talk radio, 1210 WPHT, all positive all the time. We'll be right back. Good News in Real Estate with Deanne Katsaris and Mark Cumberland is proudly being provided by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. Deanne and Mark will have more in a moment, but first, a message from one of our home team partners, Green Tree Mortgage. How much do you qualify for? Ask Deanne now at MortgageMom.net. All right, welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. So where are we at, Deanne? Mark, we're up to our topic of the day, which is investing in your home. And there's a lot of this going on. Investing in your home. Now that the market's changed a little bit and you got a lot of less inventory on the on the market, there's some people considering and it's a big business remodeling. Why not fix up our house rather than move? It accounts for about 40% of all the residential construction spending and about 2% of the U.S. economy. That's how big home remodeling is. It It is worth the money to remodel. You know, is it worth the money to remodel? The answer was probably. The reason home improvements and remodeling is a $230 billion industry is because people are finding value in home improvements. Mark, I got to interrupt you there for a second because there was a thing that was on um, Facebook that people were getting mad because all the guys were running out to Lowe's to get their can of paint and to get, you know, stuff to do the garden and this and that. And they're like, you should have thought about this before this COVID-19 came out. Instead of going out and drinking with your buddies, you should have stuck to the (laughs) honeydew list. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, I I think the honeydews can do some work, too, you know. (laughs) <laughs> that goes back to the old first out of the lifeboat thing. <laughs> those days, those days are over. <laughs> anyway, however, you should expect to fully recover uh, most of the uh, remodeling investment. Should you, rather, I said that wrong. Should you expect to recover a full amount of the modeling investment right away? Typically, you can expect about eighty to ninety percent if you make the right choices. It's on what you what you improve to get your the bang for your buck. Sometimes more, sometimes less. Within the first year or two, with the proper remodel, you can increase and even make money on your improvement. The longer you stay in your home, as with many investments, it's quite power of compounding that creates the goods return. But being in the home a longer period gives you the real estate market time to increase and leverage the remodeling investment. That, that made that property value grow. At a personal level, you should consider three things when deciding if a home improvement project is a good investment or not. Because you want to be careful what you do here. Some people do things right before they sell 
that was a waste of time and money. How how your project impacts your home's appraisal value, that's one. How long you plan to be in the home and how strong the resale market is in your area. Resale market, you don't have to basically worry about right now because that's going to be strong for a long time. But let's look at each type. Like what's home maintenance and home repair projects? That's one. You know, you definitely want to have your house in shape. And so when it, when you finally do sell it, adding that little Florida room or whatever you did could possibly really add some value to your property. And then the curb appeal projects, the things from the outside, when people pull up, like like people like Diane might notice and I might not notice. You know, <laughs> like I never notice any of that stuff. Then you notice that we painted the house yellow? Uh, not really. <laughs> but <laughs> but anyway. things also, you know, just by planting planting flowers, like everybody in the neighborhood is walking around now. And everybody's doing yard work. Everybody's doing their own lawns. And it makes a, di- a big difference. Like the house across the street from me has done absolutely nothing. And the one, and then the house next door, they have their mulch and their flowers. I mean, it, it looks nice. It's give it such more curb appeal. I'd rather, which house would you rather walk into? I mean, just at face value, I'd want to go in the one that has the flowers yeah. and the mulch. Because if they're taking care of the outside, they're probably figuring, taking care of the inside. That's right. Right. So uh, curb appeal projects are good ones. Neighborhood norm projects, keeping you conforming or ahead of the curve. Now, that's like you uh, like there's been some complaints like this uh, down in like Fishtown where somebody put like a actually there's one in my neighborhood in Fox Chase that the Fox Chase neighbors are upset about on and this guy put a four story house on a block with a garage on the bottom and three stories and it looks out of whack because it doesn't conform to the neighborhood it's like a a, white elephant a a white elephant but you also want to you know you don't want to like i saw one one time uh, in will grove a guy that he built he built his house into like a compound it had like all these walls around it and in the back he had bar, outside bars and pig roast areas and he and then when he was selling he wanted all that money back and he had a hard time swallowing that he wasn't getting that back and i actually you know I'm, i was trying to be warm and fuzzy but i actually had to have the heart to heart with him and say uh you know did you enjoy yourself? Did you like it? Did you have fun? <laughs> and like he did not dig that, man. He was not happy about it. But I said, it has to appraise. I said, did you enjoy all this? You had a really good time, didn't you? And they finally came to their senses and priced it right in and sold. And he thanked me at the end. But that is not what he wanted to hear. So, I guess not. And life, yeah. And lifestyle, project, comfort things, pools, movie theaters. That's all personal taste. That could add value. Maybe not. A pool, especially. Like say, like you're a pool person. You got a pool. You probably couldn't live without a pool. But like I know people that they're scared death of pools. You know, so it's it's not always a plus. So you gotta be careful what you do, what projects you do. Cause especially if you think you're gonna re- recoup all the money. Also, one thing that you got to consider about is the appraisal booster projects. I mean, some 
people think you know they're going to go in and spend uh I don't know, I don't know, eighty thousand on a Florida room and automatically that's eighty thousand to the appraisal. To the appraised value, right. Yeah, and that's not always gonna happen. And then and then, you know, some people make bad decisions. They do like weird projects that actually detract from the value of the property. Like uh like an exa- good example of that is they had a three bedroom house. And for whatever reason, I know people have done this. They took the walls down and made a giant master bedroom with a giant bathroom. And now they had a two bedroom house. And that's a problem when you when you go to sell that thing. Now, all of a sudden, you got this. Yeah, you got a great bathroom that used to loved, you know, and separate sinks and showers and the whole nine yards. (laughs) But now you got a two-bedroom house. And I've seen situations where they had to put their walls back up and turn that house back into a three-bedroom so they could get the value they needed after all that work. Now, so agreed. You, you know, I know you probably ran into this, too. I mean, Yeah, we run really into it all the time. And, and even when they were going through my house, I mean, some of the things, you know, you got to... You got to listen to the professionals and know where you're going to get the most bang for your buck. You know, making sure the kitchen, you know, upgrading the kitchen, upgrading the bathrooms, things like that are going to are going to give you your money back. And they're also going to give you more value for the home when it comes to the appraisal. But, you know, taking that big, luxurious master bedroom and master bathroom, not everybody wants that. They might no, need and, that and, that extra bedroom, and now they don't and have it. And sometimes one of the biggest mistakes is somebody goes all out on a finished basement, and they go crazy, and they <laughs> put in a giant eagle's bar, and this thing is knocked out, and it's great. But the appraisers might not even take that into consideration because it's below ground. Like I, I remember, I remember a long time ago we did a, a deal with the guy that had like a four thousand square foot house, and his bottom floor, his basement was he had a pool room, uh, billiard tables, a gym, a movie theater, and something else down there. It was gigantic, and then it had glass sliding doors that led out to a patio, and. But none of that counted in the appraisal, which right. really ticked really ticked him off. Like he thought that should count. This is living space. Yeah, it is, but it's below ground level. And I think there should be some special thing for certain because some of them houses are designed like that. But you're below grade. So that but again, not everybody and not everybody is going to want that. It, it just it goes back to your lifestyle projects. You know, did, not everybody wants a pool. Not everybody wants a movie theater. You know, they they might have young kids and they need they need that space, you know, in order to be able to have a playroom for the kids. So that was a great yeah, topic, Mark. I, well, you know what? I'll give you a better example on the plus side. Like I have a neighbor across the street from me and he had a cape. And he put a second floor on with two more bedrooms. And that, he picked up probably over 175000 
in value by doing that. By adding a second floor, he put solar panels on the roof, two bedrooms, and a bath. And that was a good investment. Like he got, he made money on that one, but he did it smart. So you got to be like really careful, you know, what you do. Not, you know, just because you got a good idea, it doesn't mean everybody's going to like it. Right. And if anybody has any questions on what things are going to add value, feel free to give us a call. You can reach out to us at 609-605-7153. And my number is 267-266-5501. That was a... That's a, a lot a topic that we could spend a lot of time on, but hopefully the audience got the drift. So <laughs> No, that was a good topic. And if you have any questions, you can email them to us at eight oh two nine at Comcast.net or you can give us a call at two six seven two six six fifty five oh one. You can also email me at Deanne Katsaris at Comcast.net or give me a call at six oh nine six oh five seven one five three. And a special thanks to all of our listeners and our sponsors for keeping us on the air every week here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Be careful out there. Wash your hands. Keep your distance. We will get through this. We're always all positive all the time. And with that, have a great week. I'm Mark Cumberland. I'm Deanne Katsaris, your mortgage mom. You've been listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. All, all positive, positive all, all the, the time. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Good News in Real Estate, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Kraus at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded. When we make a profit, you see it. Better rates, fewer fees, and we give back to the community all the things that you want from a financial institution. Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours.